Welcome to Harvest Birth Stories. My name is Sophie Grace and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories all across the United States and beyond and encourage mothers all around the world to um, feel proud and feel empowered by any story that they may have um, experienced. So, I will get into the podcast. Thank you. Um, Today we have Amelia on the podcast with us, so say hi. Hello. Super excited to, uh, to be here. And we met at our recent doula training that we did together. And I was like, I need to have her on <laughs> because of your story. And it's just um, very unique. So um, let's start off with you just telling us like who is at home, who is your family, a little bit about yourself, all the good details. Yeah, for sure. So um, my name is Amelia. My husband, Will, um, moved to Minnesota and we've lived here for the past five years now. Um, my I have two daughters. My oldest is four. Her name is Olive and my baby just turned one and her name is Mavis. And then we do have a little Wheaton Terrier, and her name is Phoebe. So um, the estrogen is strong in our household. (laughs) (laughs) And how does your husband deal with all of that? You know, pretty well, pretty well. So, um, yeah, we're we're lucky. He's a certified girl dad. Yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's jump into your stories. You'll have... Um, kind of two, I think, to tell us about today. So let's start with your first one and just kind of tell me how your pregnancy went and all of that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with my first pregnancy, my husband and I had just gotten married and we really thought we were going to wait a little bit for kids, but we had... Um, you know, life had other plans. And so (laughs) we actually did get pregnant pretty quickly. Um, And I was in denial that I was pregnant. My husband was the one who finally was like, you need to take a pregnancy test. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, And it was very, very positive. I think I had been about six weeks along when I took that test. Um, I have always been really into birth. And so one of the things that was important to me was finding a healthcare provider that I felt aligned with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pretty immediately I found out about a local hospital that had a good midwifery program. And um, it was the only one that I could find locally that like actively published their cesarean rates and um you know, the percentage of, of birthers who used epidurals. And so I felt pretty good that that was like accessible information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't have the confidence at that time to go forward, like with a freestanding birth center or um, a home birth. So mm-hmm. I did select them and I, I did also um, select a doula as well. 
my pregnancy was incredibly textbook. Um, you know, just like the the normal nausea, but I, I never like actually got sick. Um, extremely tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I hit that second trimester, I I felt good, and um, yeah, it was just really like continuing to kind of immerse myself in learning about birth um, and and seeing how I could best prepare myself for that next step. Yeah. So that was kind of my next question was what kind of like preparation did you do for your first birth? Did you do any like classes or any like body work or anything like that? Like you said, you had a doula. So kind of tell us like what you did to prepare yourself for your coming into parenthood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was actually a really cool program with my midwives. Um, They had what was called centering. And essentially it was, it took a group of individuals who were due around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, And they like essentially lumped our prenatal appointments into one big meeting and each appointment we would learn something new. So they were pretty lengthy. I want to say they were like an hour long. Um, and that was really neat because it immediately gave us this like built-in community of support. Like we uh, a lot of our babies are like, I still have friends from that group and, and we get together with our kids. Um, and, and then additionally, they provided us access. So like each prenatal appointment, like we would touch on something new. And so I remember one appointment, we actually had a postpartum psychologist there who, um, talked to us about like, you know, things to look for in postpartum and, um, Yeah. So it was really, really cool. And then my doula, yeah, I loved it. And I think, um, you know, I, I didn't do it with my second, which I can get into that, but I think for first time parents, it's really cool because it was built in birth education. Um, so yeah. And then, um, with my doula, we did do some body work. I wish (laughs) that I had, practice different positions more, um, in that prenatal phase, especially as like we were nearing birth. Um, and I think you'll hear why in my story. Um, but I did have at least like some basis of body work and that is something that we did a lot during the labor as well. Yeah. And I feel like I've, I mean, I've only had one child and so I can only reflect on that experience. But when you go into your first pregnancy, like you said, like you, you don't really know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. when you come. And so like, when you go back, when you think back, you're like, Oh, I could have done this. I could have, you know, but you never know. So I think like all of the stuff that you did, like with the groups and with the doula, like you were just ready and prepared. <laughs> Yeah, I think like I really subscribe to the belief of trusting your body, but I think maybe I trusted my body a little bit too much the first time around. Like there were things I could have done to just really like, I don't know, you know, prepare a little bit better. But like you said, you just don't know what you don't know. So you have no idea. Um, So kind of take you into maybe, I mean, I read your um, 
questionnaire and it sounds like it was kind of a journey to get to your first sign of labor for this mm-hmm. one. So kind of bring us around how that uh, came about. We'll just jump into your birth. Yeah. So um, I remember always saying that, you know what, if if baby goes longer, that's fine. Like baby will come when baby will come. Mm-hmm. But I think anyone who's gone past their due date knows you you lose that chill <laughs> with like every passing day. At least I did. Um, and so eight days past my due date. And then this was the other part of like the centering is I was seeing all of these people who were due after me yeah. going to labor around me. And so like I got a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're like, still here. <laughs> yes, yes. And out of my group, I was actually the first who was due. Um, but one of the last to give birth. So it was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So finally it was, I think it was eight days. Yes. Eight days past my due date, my water broke. And um, I remember like, even in my birth plan, I told anyone who would listen, the one thing I pray does not happen is I pray that I'm not one of that, you know, 10% whose water breaks before labor Mm -hmm. starts. Um, so I think I spent too much time putting that into the universe, um, because that is in fact what happened to me. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And it wasn't, it was, it was a, it wasn't like a total gush, but it was, it it was enough of a gush to know this is my water. Like I knew I didn't pee myself. There was no confusion. Yeah. Um, You're like, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I remember it happened at 5 a.m. And I just remember I was like kind of peeved. And so <laughs> I well, and I was like, my water just broke. <laughs> and like, oh, okay. Um, and he just kind of like rolled over and went back to sleep. And so I kind of thought about it. Um, like, when do I want to let the hospital know? Because I knew this was going to put me on a clock. Yeah. Yep. I am a terrible liar. Um, <laughs> And so I did call them and, and I, I called them about an hour after it broke and I let them know that it, it broke at 5 a.m. And um, luckily the midwife was like, okay, um, you can try to get labor going at home. I want to see you in at, at 5 p.m. Uh-huh. And so she was giving me, what is that, 12 hours to kind of get things going at home, which was a lot more generous than the other hospitals around me. So I was uh-huh. happy with that. Um, so I did everything. I mean, you know, everything with the exception of sex because my water was broken, um, but nothing got it going. Mm -hmm. So we checked in that night, um, and they started the cytotech. Um, and that is where they give you like a, a quarter of a pill. I think it was every four hours. Um, yeah. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, you know, with each dose, the contractions would get a little bit more intense. Um, you know, the downside of starting an induction at night was I didn't, I just really couldn't sleep. They did give me something to help me sleep, but, um, I was just uncomfortable enough to, to really not be able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I labored all through the night and then, um, the next morning at 6 a.m., they gave me my first cervical check, and I was at a four. 
And I felt okay about that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just kind of kept trying to labor in the room. One thing I was like not prepared for was because my water, like it broke, but you know, there was still a lot of water in (laughs) and I just leaked everywhere. Um, And I hated that. Like I hated the feeling of constantly feeling wet. Um, The feeling of like that. I didn't like the diaper on me. So then I'd take it off and I'd sit on like a chucks pad, but it was just like, I just felt really uncomfortable and really like dirty exposed. Yeah. And just, yeah, just, I, I did not like it. Um, so I never, ever, ever felt comfortable at the hospital, um, despite the fact that, like, I was really comfortable with my care providers. I just, you know, it's it's not your home, I think. Yeah. So, um, and even at home, like, I was uncomfortable just constantly changing my pants and just, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like having a, a really bad period that just keeps coming out. No, totally. no, no, no. <laughs> Yes. That's like the best way to describe it. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, 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 um, I'm trying to think. So we, at at some point I called my doula, I called her at about noon and I was like, I'm still managing, but like, I'm really tired and I just feel like I might need help with getting things moving because I could tell my contractions were still, um, pretty manageable. Mm-hmm. And so she came and she was like a drill sergeant. Like she kicked me out of bed. Um, and we did a lot of body work for hours and it was really intense. It was a lot of, um, different maneuvers that we did like while I was contracting and it hurt. And like, I definitely felt like I was kind of fighting against it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point I was so tired. So, and I hadn't eaten. I mean, I had food. My hospital does allow you to eat as much, however much you want it. I had food. I just like, didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get into the tub at one point and I knew that, you know, it, it was, it was against the advice of my doula because I was still in early labor um, and it did slow down my contractions, but it was like the one way, the one um, way I was able to like get, yeah, I was able to get a little relief. So I ate like some pineapple um, and that was like the one point where I was like, oh, I feel finally like I'm comfortable too, probably because I was like in warm water and not just like cold leaking water. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so pretty quickly we were like, okay, we got to get out. And then finally at about 6 PM, so 12 hours from my first check, um, we did another check and I was still at a four. Oh, and so at that, yes, it was at that point that I was like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. And I was just really discouraged. And so they did say, okay, at this point, we have to start talking about our options um, and thinking about Pitocin. And I knew that Pitocin was going to be the next step. Um, And I kind of always thought that if I was going to have to have Pitocin, I would just be comfortable with getting the epidural. And so um, I, I did talk about it. They gave me so much time. I talked about it with my doula for about an hour and then I gave them the green light to start the Pitocin. 
And they said that the epidural would be in about 30 minutes after we started the Pitocin. Mm -hmm. And um, we continued to do body work like up until that point. And so then they administered the Pitocin and I am not kidding. I seriously think I had it administered for about five minutes. I don't even know that it could have been through my IV yet. And my contractions went, I mean, they were so intense Mm -hmm. and they were so close together. And all I could do was like moan through them. I couldn't respond to anybody. I just like went into my, my zone. Um, And I remember my midwife kind of saying, you know, you're, you're coping. If you don't want an epidural, like you don't have to get one. But at that point, the anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist was like right around the corner. And I, I thought I'm only at a four, like I have a long way to go. Yeah. And so, um, he came in and administered the epidural shortly after I felt amazing. <laughs> uh, and my doula was like, okay, like now you can finally sleep. And at this point I was exhausted. So she left to go like have dinner with her family. She lived really close to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Will went to go get dinner. And within 10 minutes I was texting him and I said, you need to come back. I feel like I need to poop. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I had a peanut ball between my legs too. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that made a difference, but, um, he came back and when the nurse came in, I told her and she was like, mm, I think she wasn't really believing me. Um, but she's like, we can definitely get some, you know, do a check. And so they came back and checked me and I was at a nine and a half um, <laughs> so within like 10 minutes. And I just, I really think that that whole process started like, right as I was like, I don't know, like right as I was getting that Pitocin and I don't know if it was relevant to the Pitocin or, or what, um, right. what I do think is that my baby was extremely, uh, malpositioned and, mm-hmm. and that's really what was causing all of this. Yeah, um, didn't have water. So I'm sure that's, mm-hmm. No cushion, so you're feeling yeah. everything like right there. Yeah, yes. And um, one of the things that I was so surprised by, so my anesthesiologist, he was amazing. And I I like had complete mobility of mm-hmm. my legs. Um, and then I also was just feeling this really intense like pressure. And, and desire to push. Mm-hmm. Um, my doula was, she rushed back. She did make it back. Um, and the whole time I was just telling her, I was like, I need to push. And the hospital staff was asking me to not push because I still had to labor down. I still had that cervical lip. Mm-hmm. Um, but my body was like pushing for me and like, I can't um, stop. <laughs> yeah. It was just like really intense. And she said, you know, you can just relax. Just like, if it's pushing, it's pushing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so finally, I'm trying to think this would have been at like 9 PM ish. No, it had to be earlier than that. Um, they gave me the green light to start, you know, pushing. And, um, 
all my practice pushes and, and even all the pushing I was doing was like seemed effective, but she did keep, which is typical, right? For the head to like come out and then they go back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the third hour, <laughs> we were like, yes by the third hour we were like okay something's got to change now this entire time I did have a mirror I did request a mirror and my doula did um she essentially like tied a rebozo around the squat bar so I would pull myself up around my belly every time to help like with that laboring down and that did help the entire time I had this really intense desire to get on my hands and knees Um, Mm -hmm. that I like, for whatever reason, didn't want to speak that. Um, and I think I just felt like because I had an epidural, I had to be on my back and I didn't want to like ruffle any feathers. Um, but what I now know is that my hospital that I birthed at is like totally understanding of like having those movements in the bed. Um, so, you know, another thing that's, (laughs) you know, hindsight for me there, um, But anyway, so I was pushing by the third hour. um, They did call in the NICU team and uh, you could feel the energy shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And my husband felt it as well because he started um, to turn white and he had to sit down. He felt like he was going to to faint Um, and they were putting oxygen on me. And he was, like, super embarrassed because there were nurses, like, giving him juice and crackers. And he was like, I'm fine. I think he just had some anxiety at how long it was taking and just because you could see more and more people come in the room. Yeah. Um, They did end up doing, like, the shoulder dystocia maneuver. Mm. Um, She ended up not having a shoulder dystocia, but she did get kind of, like, hung up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, But she came out. She was – a big girl. Um, she's very, very long and she still is. Um, we had not found out her gender. So at that point, like Will was like, it's a girl. And and we were really surprised. And, um, they, (laughs) one of the things that I had told Will, you know, we didn't have a name picked out. We had, we went in with a list of names and I told Will, if the nurses ask what we're naming our child, like we have to talk about it. And the nurse asked what her name is. And I was like, it's Olive May. <laughs> so I I right away, like, you know, gave her the name. And um, and yeah, it was great. I, like that hospital, their standard of care is delayed cord clamping. It's the baby goes right to chest. Um, they don't do, you know, a bath or measurements or anything yeah. right, right away. So they really follow evidence-based uh, practices. And so I didn't ever have to advocate for that, which was really, really nice. Sorry, guys, if you hear a little difference in microphone quality on my end from the rest of the podcast, it decided to stop working at this point. So we went to just speakers. And I liked how your, um, your midwife or your doctor said that like before you got the epidural, she or he, I don't remember if he said it was a girl or a boy, said that you didn't have to have it. And then you were talking about how they were all kind of like more evidence-based, blah, 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 blah. I was trying to say that and you couldn't hear me. <laughs> yeah. 
actually, that was like a spot where my doula like was worth her weight in gold because um, I definitely appreciated that my midwife was like, you can do this without an epidural. Um, but I was so exhausted. All I wanted was to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really nice because my doula actually was the one who stepped in and was like, I hear you. I think you could have, a, you know, her, her concern was that like, I would just get too exhausted. And like, by the time the fist, the pushing phase came around, I would be like too exhausted there. Yeah. And, and I so, think it was, it was probably a good call if you were pushing for that yeah, long. That's what I feel too. And so um, it was really funny because my husband also was like, no, you, you've got this. And like, my doula was the one who was like, I hear you mm. and I, I'm hearing that you would like an epidural. And I think that's the right, I think your intuition is right on that. Mm-hmm. And like, so, um, so yeah, it was like, I will say, I feel like, um, she was a big piece in really making, despite the fact that my birth plan went nothing to plan. <laughs> Um, she still made me feel like I had this really like kick-ass birth, which is, I think, you know, I think that's kind of what doulas are there for. So, yeah, yeah, um, I like that. And then, so we kind of left off before my technology decided not to work, um, that you did delayed cord clamping, no bath, skin to skin, kind of tell us about your postpartum, um, and feeding, whatever kind of feeding you decided to do journey, after having olive. Yeah. So, um, you know, I will say that postpartum, this is where like my satisfaction with the hospital went down a little bit. Um, it's not that any, everything, it's not that they were bad per se. Um, but there were a lot of like quote unquote LCs or lactation consultants. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. come in and they just, they give a lot of really conflicting information. I had, you know, um, they just, I feel like in the birth room, I had this like amazing golden hour where they let my baby naturally latch. And I just felt like I was on the top of the world. And then in the postpartum room, there was this shift of like, it just felt like they were really kind of like overriding any intuition I had. Mm. Um, and I did do breastfeeding classes in advance. And so I, I did come in with some knowledge, but I think, you know, when, when you're exhausted and your hormones are all over the place, like you do just kind of want to like, I don't know, like I abandoned some of that intuition. and was just really totally confused about like how I should be holding her. And like, Mm -hmm. I was trying to make sure I was adhering to the forms that everyone else was putting me in and it just didn't feel comfortable, but I just, I just wanted to get out of the, I just wanted to check out of the hospital. Yeah. Um, So I did what I needed to do. Um, And then either Olive had like a wet diaper before anyone caught it or she didn't have a wet diaper. And so, um, we, they ended up having me doing like triple feeding. Basically they can't release us until she has a bowel movement and a wet diaper. And so we were like doing all we could to get this wet diaper. So it was triple feeding. And, um, you know, at some point I think they did end up giving her 
her formula. And then, I mean, we were there for an extra eight hours just waiting for her to have this wet diaper. And then she finally did. Um, But I think all of that, like, forcing of of fluids beyond what, like, a newborn normally needs just – I don't know. There was a lot of things there that I feel like kind of set me up to have a hard time once we were yeah. in the hospital. And that's, that's totally what happened. Um, one thing I like always tell my friends um, is, you know, to get hooked up with a lactation consultant who is outside of the hospital. Um, I, agree. I I just was like so tired postpartum that I didn't feel like dealing with it. So I ended up going back to the lactation consultant in my hospital and it, it just, it didn't really do anything. Um, there was a lot of my pediatrician and the lactation consultant, a lot of like con- people were like, you know, saying she has a tie, she doesn't have a tie. Um, and I just got super tired of yeah. like the constant thinking about it. So, um, we, we made it six months breastfeeding and, um, and really by six months, my supply was so down that I actually didn't even have to do anything to like wean. Um, it just really happened naturally. So mm-hmm. um, that was something I did remember for my next pregnancy. I actually um, had hired an LC in advance of, oh. of labor, but I can talk more about that. So yeah, so yeah that was, um, you know, everything with, with Olive. Um, as far as like postpartum depression, anxiety. Um, I really didn't experience any of that. You know, obviously there was a lot of hormones around my breastfeeding journey and a lot of emotions around my breastfeeding journey, um, which included me having like a complete, uh, like I was completely reduced to tears at this like uh, breastfeeding group thing, which was like so embarrassing, but you know, it's um, it's normal. Yeah. 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 There's just so much emotion with that. So, um, but all in all, I did have a really good, like he, uh, um, I will say, so I did have a second degree tear with Olive, but this Mm -hmm. did just healed well. Um, and you know, it was pretty like, I I didn't notice anything with, you know, additional pain with a tear or anything. So okay, that's Olive. (laughs) So let's kind of, um, well, jump to like when you decided if you decided you wanted to have another baby and um like how that all came about how your second pregnancy was and how you like changed it differently from um what you experienced with your first yeah so um it was uh you know I think we just really enjoyed all of the stages with Olive so Um, I actually didn't get the feeling of wanting to have a second until later than I anticipated. Um, she turned two and I, or no, it was a little bit before she turned two and I was like, okay, I I think I'm ready. Um, but it actually took us a lot longer to conceive than I anticipated. Um, so at about the 10 month mark of trying, um, we did start to do some tests Um, and Will was due to get his like semen checked. Mm -hmm. And for that process, they tell you to abstain from sex for about, I think it's three days before they do the test. And, um, it was February and we decided that's a perfect time to abstain because we 
were not wanting to have another November baby since that's when our first was due. We thought, you know what? Well, this is perfect. Um, we don't want to have them have like, you know, super close birthdays. And so we did abstain um, for that test. And then also through what I thought was my ov- ovulation window. Um, <laughs> and lo and behold, we conceived in February. So we were going to have a November baby. Um, and I always hesitate to tell that story because I remember people saying like, it'll happen for you when you stop trying. And I would, I, I still subscribe to the fact that that is BS. Like, I know <laughs> Lots of people who stop trying and it still doesn't happen. But what I do kind of chalk it up to is that I just never pinpointed my ovulation window. And I still yeah. don't know what it is, if I'm being honest. Um, I think it's outside of the quote unquote standard or like the normal range. But I just, I've never like really accurately been able to uh, to capture it. So, yeah. um, but anyway, so we... Um, I, um, you know, four weeks after he had gotten all these tests done, I was feeling really crummy and I, I thought, oh no, I'm getting COVID. Mm. Um, so tired and Will joked, you know, maybe you're pregnant and I laughed about it. But then like, as anyone who's trying knows, um, it's really easy to get sucked into taking pregnancy tests after pregnancy tests. (laughs) I had like a huge box of them from like Amazon and I did take one and I saw the faintest positive ever. I I was truly, I sent pictures to some of my friends and they were like, you are losing it because um, <laughs> you could not see it. But I took a digital test and it said pregnant. And so I went to Target and got like a little onesie and I surprised Will and he was mm-hmm. so surprised. I mean, we both were so surprised. Um, but in the best way. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I, I love that, you know, even though it was like, you know, five hours of him not knowing, I liked that I got to surprise him. Um, yeah. This pregnancy was also incredibly textbook. Um, the only thing that was different from my first was I had like very different cravings. And so for whatever reason, I thought, oh, that means this is for sure a boy. So I went through the whole pregnancy convinced that I was having a boy. Um, we did not find out with our second either. Um, I mean, spoiler alert, it was not a boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a super, super easy pregnancy. The only thing that I, I will make mention of that was a little bit non-standard was I ended up having to go to the emergency room, I think it was two or three different times um, because I had these like really intense bouts of like uh, just like immediately like waking up and and having the most intense pain that I have ever had um, and like vomiting and um, what we kind of think were like gallbladder attacks. Mm -hmm. I never did get an ultrasound for like gold stones or whatever they're called but apparently they say that there can be like some sludge which is just like the grossest word um that can cause that pain so um but I've never had it again ever since I gave birth so there was something going on there we just never got to the bottom of it interesting um so like when you found out you were pregnant again what did you decide to do differently for this birth in preparation for it? 
Yeah. Um, on your first. Yeah. That's a great question. Initially I thought I'm just, I had a good experience with that hospital. I'm going to go <clears throat> with them. Um, because it was a second child, I was like, I'm not going to do the centering. And so I was going through their standard clinic and I did not like it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of like, they lost my tests. Uh, there was just like a lot of disorganization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they just had a lot of patients and I thought, you know, I don't know that this is the experience I, I want. And so mm-hmm. I switched my care over to a freestanding birth center Um, and I also was going to be getting a doula Mm -hmm. and my doula with my first birth actually had become a midwife. So I looked for, um, yeah, yeah. So I looked for a new doula and the one I found was actually a spinning babies instructor. Yeah. And she was like, I, you know, I require this class for my first time moms, but you're second time mom. So it's up to you. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm doing this because I mean, really Olive was asynclitic and, and I wanted to avoid that. Um, so the spinning babies, she came and like taught Will and I how to do the different moves. And we did that. I would say probably for eight or nine weeks leading up to the birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would try to do it every night there. There was like four very simple moves. Yep. Um, Like a lot of stuff. What's that? A lot of inversions and stuff, isn't it? Yes. So like every night I would get on my head and, (laughs) um, yes. And, you know, I really liked it because I think when you have your second child, you don't have a lot of time to like think about the pregnancy because you have a toddler. Um, yeah. That was like our one time in the evenings, even though it was like 20 minutes, but it was like 20 minutes of dedicated time, me, him, and, you know, preparing for this baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can kind of move into the story <laughs> if you want. Yeah, you have a very interesting second birth. Um, so... Let's just start at the beginning, like first symptoms and um, what you kind of did differently when you had these symptoms and how it ended. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So my due date was October 28th, but I had always had in my mind that I was going to be late because of my first. Um, And I thought, I remember I always said, I bet it's that this baby will come once Halloween is like all wrapped up with, like, I'm, I, I don't think it's going to come before Halloween. Um, and I guess my intuition was strong with that one because we actually like went trick or treating and I was curb walking the whole time <laughs> trick or treating. Um, and we got home and, you know, did the bedtime routine. And as I was reading my daughter, her book for bed, I started to feel some light contractions Um, and I called my mom and I let her know to like get some rest, but have her phone on because she was going to be my uh, caretaker for my oldest. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to sleep most of the night on and off. Um, And because of that, 
when I woke up in the morning, I was just like, you know what? I could be in this state for like days and days and days. So let's just, I'm going to work today. Um, And Will was like, well, why don't we drop all of off at daycare and then we'll get breakfast and, and we both work from home. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, great. So we both drove all of to daycare and we pulled into daycare and she threw up everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I was like, we at like, it seriously caused my contractions to immediately stop. Um, which is amazing to me because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wow, okay, we need to shift priorities here. Um, so we brought her home and like immediately she was feeling better. Um, I think she just had too much Halloween candy. <laughs> um, and so she was actually home with me and my husband was working and at about noon, I remember I said to him, you know, if you can come and take over with Olive, I really want to like just kind of try to relax because my contractions were were back and um, but they were still really light. Um, one thing was I had actually had an acupuncture appointment scheduled for that day. Acupuncture was something I also added in at the end of my pregnancy that I had not done with my first, and I just conveniently had an appointment scheduled for that day at like three thirty. And so I kept that appointment and my mom actually drove me to it. And I'm really glad she did because <laughs> um, throughout my appointment, I could feel my contractions getting closer together and the intensity was increasing. Um, and so then she picked me up and um, at this point I was having like a lot of bloody show and I was still in denial (laughs) that like a lot of the story, a lot of the theme of the story is denial because my first was so long. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually, I cooked dinner for my daughter and I was having to stop and breathe through the contractions. Um, With both my births, I didn't time the contractions and I, I don't, really know what that's about. I think I just like didn't want to be bothered. Yeah. Um, But I didn't really, I wasn't really timing them. So I just knew that they were getting more intense and that I was having to stop and breathe through them. Mm -hmm. So at about 6 p.m. when they were eating dinner, I did call my doula and she said, why don't you go take a bath? And if they slow down, like, great. If not, let me know. But I don't, I, I like, misconstrued what she said in my head. Um, and so I, I did take a bath and I continued to labor in the tub. They never slowed down. They just got more intense and and closer together. At one point, my husband did start timing them and they were three minutes apart, but they were lasting for 45 seconds, Mm. never did reach a minute. And so despite the fact that they were super intense, I was thinking, oh, they're not a minute. So like, you know, I, I'm still in labor, which is just crazy to think about now. Um, because I was, I was vocalizing through them. I was moaning. Um, we were doing the spinning baby, um, techniques while I was laboring. Um, so at this point, my doula actually like texted to check in and, 
Um, Will was like, yeah, I think it's like getting a little more intense. And she's like, I think you should call the birth center. And so we called the birth center and they were like, well, it sounds like you're coping okay. How about you check in at 10 p.m.? Mm-hmm. And this was at about like 8.30, 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. And um, so I continued to labor at home. And I remember finally being like, okay, we need we need to go. And so um, in the distractions, <laughs> I was like running around my house. Of course, it's a second baby, so I didn't have like anything prepared. So <laughs> running around my house, trying to throw stuff in a bag. Um, and at one point I finally like just kind of started crying and I I was crying and I said, I can't do this. I'm never going to make it. And I said, I feel like I'm going to get to the birth center and only be a four, which if you recall my first birth, I was stuck (laughs) in a four for a long time. So I think I just had it in my head. Um, and And my mom and Will also had it in their heads that I was in for like a really long road too. And so they were just like also saying, you're going to have your baby tomorrow. Like your baby's going to be in your arms tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so like we all just, I I don't know, we were all in denial. Um, (laughs) So I left my house at 10 p.m., which is is funny because that's when everyone said to like check in. Um, and Will called the birth center and, and let them know we were on the way. And he had, we were on speakerphone with the birth center. And the midwife said, is everything getting more intense? And I was in the background and I just yelled, yes. <laughs> and you could hear, she could hear that I was like pushing at that point. Um, and I still was in denial. So I... <laughs> Um, was in the backseat of the car and I just started instinctively, and keep in mind, we're only about five minutes from my house. I instinctively started tearing my clothes off. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I, I like ripped my pants off. I ripped my underwear off. Like, um, and, and at this point, Will was not believing me still. He, he, I told him, I think you need to pull over. And he said, no, like we're going to make it. We were still 25 minutes away from the birth center. And I said, no, you need to pull over um, because there was like blood um, on the seat. Mm. And um, and then I felt down and I, I could feel her head. <laughs> yeah. So he pulled over into like a church parking lot. And I don't know if you can hear, but in the recording, there's a, a spot where I kind of like scream out. Where yeah. Like, yeah. And it was because he whipped into that parking lot so fast <laughs> that I like tipped over and I have this like head coming out. Oh. Um, and so he was still like not totally believing me. Um, and he came around the back and then he saw, oh yeah, there's there's definitely a head. Um, <laughs> and so we were on the phone with 911. Um which was like kind of a wild experience because uh, they just have to read from a script. And so yeah, yeah. I, I listened to it and I was like, these are the questions you're asking them right now. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty coherent through this part. And I think something snapped in me where I like knew that I had to be. 
Um, like I never entered into that labor land that people talk about. And I think it's because I, I knew that I had to be. And I remember just like wanting to yell at the 911 operator. Um, so like as Will's trying to answer these questions, her head completely comes out. Um, <laughs> and you can hear my husband He's yelling, the head is out of the baby. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I heard too. I, my cousin was over the other day when I was listening to it and she is a first responder. And then I was like, did you hear that? He's like, the head is out of the baby. And we're just sitting there laughing, listening to it. It was so incoherent. Um, like, I feel like the 911 operator even kind of was chuckling a little bit. Um, and then I did, I like asked for reassurance from him that it was her head because I, the head felt really a lot like a butt, you know, cause it's so squishy, yeah. um, coming out. And so I was really, I kept asking, is it for sure her, is it for sure the baby's head? Is it for sure the head? And he said, yes. And then he was telling me to push, but I knew that my body was like not ready. I wasn't in a contraction. I didn't want to force it. Mm-hmm. And so we did sit there and I waited and then I could feel her body turn and then slide right out. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one who caught her at this point. We were still waiting for medical professionals to arrive. And um, he put her up forward through my legs and you heard him say, um, you know what to do. You know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that her cord was like around her neck. And so I was able to just quickly pull that off. Um, and she cried like immediately. Um, she let out a really good cry. And when the 911 operator finally like caught up (laughs) to what was going on, um, he, you know, kind of was instructing us to clean off her nose and mouth, but we were in the car and we had like everything was in in our trunk of our car, like blankets and things like that. So I wrapped her up in my sweater Mm -hmm. and was trying to like wipe with my pant leg because my sweater was kind of (laughs) fuzzy. Um, And, and we were just kind of waiting for medical professionals to get there. There was a point where she was clearing out her lungs. And I think you said this when we were in class, how they were like, and then I remember when I was listening to your recording, how they were like, okay, like take a clean blanket and and dry her off and then take another one. And you were like, yeah, let me just get all these t- clean blankets out of my linen closet. Yes, yes. Um, it was so clear he was reading a script. And I, I, I totally get it. Like he's not, he doesn't deliver babies on the daily. But there's even a point where they told me not to sit on the toilet. And I'm like, yeah, they must think I have a real luxury vehicle because (laughs) I don't have any of this stuff. Um, And so, yes, I was just like trying to wipe her mouth off. There was a point where she was clearing her lungs, um, but like it kind of came across as like a, almost like a cough or like a gasp. And so um, I, there's a point where I say, I think she's struggling to breathe a little, but shortly thereafter she just kind of like coughed out some of that fluid um but immediately she was very very loud and responsive and um so that was great and so I just held her and talked to her until the ambulance arrived um 
there were these poor police officers. They were probably like <laughs> age 27 to 29 and they just were like staring at me like a deer in headlights. And um, my husband was just standing there staring. Um, we, we had to like shut the door to keep it warm. This was, you know, November 1st. Yep. So we had the heat cranked and then like the window was cracked and they're all like looking at me through this window. And I totally felt like I was like in a zoo. Um, and so at one point I told my husband, I was like, can you please take a picture? <laughs> so I'll have to text you the picture. It's, it's really funny. I'm just like standing there holding this baby in the car and everyone's staring at me. Um, but the ambulance did arrive. And um, at this point I still had the placenta like in me. Um, and obviously she was connected to the cord, despite the fact that the 911 operator was telling me to tie her cord with a string. Mm. Um, I was like, yeah, I don't, that's not happening. You're like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll be okay. Um, so I like was pantsless and I had to walk from my car to the ambulance stretcher. Um, oh. yeah, it was like the <laughs> ultimate. Yeah, exactly. I was like, whatever. So um, I walked to the ambulance and and got on the stretcher. And um, oh, one thing I did forget to mention is the 911 operator did ask, is it a boy or a girl? And my husband and I, neither of us had checked. (laughs) And um, we were so finally I looked and I was like, oh, it's a girl. Um, Recording, I'm like so flat pant. Like, I mean, I have like no emotion to my voice, but I think I was just in a little bit of shock at that point. Oh, for sure. I think any, <laughs> anybody would have pushed a baby out in a car would be in shock. Yeah. Yeah. And then my husband, that was another thing that the recording, you can barely hear it, but there's a point where he's like, we're okay. We just birthed a baby in a car. We're okay. Like he's like <laughs> repeating out loud what happened. Cause I think he just wasn't believing it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so in the the one downside of all of this was that um, because I I had to have an ambulance come, they can't bring me to a freestanding birth center. They have to bring me to a, a hospital. And fortunately, I was able to go to the hospital that I delivered Olive at. Um, mm-hmm. My ambulance driver was a like he was kind of a rogue ambulance driver. So this is still <laughs> during COVID. Um, he refused to wear a mask, like as they were going through the hospital. So like hospital staff was like yelling at him. He wasn't listening to them and brought me to the oncology department. Um, at this point I'm like being wheeled through oncology. I'm naked. I have a baby. I have a placenta on the stretcher. Like, um, it was just a crazy experience, but yeah, it kind of makes the whole, vibe and ambiance kind of <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it if they just no just refusing to do all of the things yeah I was, it just it felt like a movie uh, yeah it really did feel like I I hate to say this because it makes me sound I don't I don't know how it makes me sound but I felt like I was like the only competent person um <laughs> And the surrounding area, which sounds terrible, but like I did feel like I had my wits about me more than like everyone around me, which was a really weird feeling. Um, and and I was glad that I had that like level of confidence, but um, yeah, so we you know they did 
cut her cord in the ambulance and they did give me a head block in the ambulance. And I was just like, well, whatever. Like I just didn't care. Um, and so when we got to the hospital and he finally got me to the right floor, um, (laughs) I did immediately request to be with the midwives instead of the OBs. Um, my midwife who I had that night was absolutely fabulous. Um, when I got wheeled in, there was a nurse who was like very annoyed that we were there. And she was very annoyed that I had had this baby in the car. She immediately grabbed the baby from me and put her on the warmer and was like doing all of these things that I didn't even have in my hospital birth. Um, and so I was like, okay, maybe they're just concerned. And I asked, I was like, is there a concern? And they said, we want to make sure her temperature is where it needs to be. And they just kept her over there. And finally, I was like, what, what is she at and what does she need to be? Well, she was one degree off of where she needed to be. And so I said to the midwife, won't, won't she regulate her body temperature better on my chest, like skin to skin? And my midwife was like, you're absolutely right. Like, let's get that baby back to mom. And so I was really happy. It really felt like the midwife was in my court. Um, And she also said, I know that because you were planning on birthing at a birth center, you probably didn't have a plan to stay somewhere like overnight, which is true. Um, Part of my reason in, in selecting the birth center is they actually discharge you within four to six hours of the birth, depending on when you birth. Um, and so I was really worried that I was going to be stuck there for, you know, two days or whatever. Um, and they made this like amazing plan with my, with the pediatrician, um, to ensure that I would be able to check out early. Um, there was a lot of back and forth in this because I thought my birth center, so my birth center's protocol was that a midwife comes to your house 24 hours after the birth to do all of those tests that take yep. place. Um, hospital, obviously they do that in the hospital while you're still there. I thought I would still have that care with my midwife, but because I didn't birth with them, I, I didn't have that. And so we had to call and confirm that with them. And they said, no, we, we can't do that. Um, and so the only way that I was able to leave was that I had to agree to go in at 24 hours to the clinic by my house and have tests done there. And I was really back and forth on if that's what I wanted to do. And my doula was really like kind of pushing. I I didn't, I felt like she was a little pushy um, for me to just go home and like do the tests later, um, yeah. which is what I decided to do. And like, in hindsight, I am thankful that I went that route. Um, but it was a hassle. So uh, I think this is something like I wasn't prepared. Obviously, no one's prepared to make this decision. But um, I had to go back to this clinic at 24 hours postpartum. The clinic does not know how to like care for infants this young. Um, So they like had to do I had to go back to that clinic four times to get her heel prick done because they kept messing up. So she had to get her heel pricked four times. Yeah. Um, And then the other test, which is the audiology test, we had to go back to the audiologist twice because they also aren't used to that young of babies. Um, Really the people in the hospital or like, you know, maybe the midwife that comes to your house, you know, they 
are more specialized in that. And so, um, I, I agree. I yeah. I did kind of the same thing when I had my son, I didn't want to stay in the hospital for X amount of time. So I left like as soon as I could. And then I had to do the thing where you go back to the clinic and it's like, same thing. Like they just, you know, they see a wide range of people from all ages Mm -hmm. Fabian and they just like suck at doing it Mm -hmm. and it breaks your heart when you're like freshly postpartum and your baby's screaming and you have all these hormones running through you and it's so hard to see them like that a hundred percent yeah yeah so like I don't I go back and forth on if I would do that differently I will I will say that like I wish my doula would have just given time for my husband and I to like talk Um, because she, one of the reasons I actually chose her is that she doesn't have children. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought her scheduling would be a little bit more reliable, but I think that maybe like did have a, gave her a little bit of a blind spot because, um, you know, I had the logistics not only of like figuring that out with a newborn baby, but I also had my other daughter at home too. So, um, so one of the things, you know, I I went home and I got home at like 2 AM and we finally laid down to go to sleep at 4 AM and Mavis started screaming, um, (laughs) and like did not want to sleep. And so I was just like nursing and, and I was up until 6 AM when my oldest came into the room. So I actually like probably weirdly would have gotten more sleep in a hospital. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my, but that was really fun to see my daughter. Like she went to bed, not really knowing that I was in labor and she woke up and her baby sister was in the bassinet by the bed. So she was just like, what happened? (laughs) Miracle. (laughs) Yes. And that was exactly, you saw her face and it was, it was truly like, Christmas morning. And so, um, so (laughs) yeah, we have these like really precious videos of her just like, uh, you know, so those moments. And I think for that reason, I, you know, I can't change what I did, but I think for that reason, I am glad that I just went home and and did that despite the lack of sleep. Um, (laughs) It was really incredible to like have her involved in that so early on. Yeah. So kind of tell me about your feeding journey with Mavis. Yes. So I had a lactation consultant outside of the hospital system lined up and ready to go. Um, And actually our freestanding birth center also had someone on staff too. So there were immediate resources for that. So my lactation consultant was there within 24 hours Mm. and, um, she was amazing. She's actually the person who teaches the class. I don't know if you're attending the class. Her name is Vicki oh, Albright. Yeah. Yeah. She was my LC. Um, and she's amazing. She really just came in and like checked the suction, checked the latch. Um, but she did it in a way where she watched me work and she was like, is that comfortable for you? And I was like, no. So I was like leaning pretty far forward because when I was in the hospital, that was like how they wanted me to do it. And um, I was more inclined to want to like lean back um, just Mm -hmm. like naturally. And it just, 
I don't know. I, I just never did like throughout my time with Olive. And so she told me, you can lean back. And she helped me get comfortable. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I wish I would have had you like, you know, a lifetime ago. And she just gave me the confidence. I think she was like, you guys are doing great. And if yeah. you text and I never had to see her again. It was like a back and forth texting if I had questions. And we made it to 10 months of her nursing, about nine months of her nursing. Um, and I went on a vacation and after that, she just didn't want to go back to the breast and I was okay with that. Um, because at that point I was, you know, back to work and everything. And so I liked that our, that all came to an end, like on our terms, you know? Um, and I was, I was happy with that. So, um, yeah, I felt much better about it the second time around. I also think when you have your second child, you have this like realization that like it doesn't matter what they're getting fed because they're going to like be eating chicken nuggets every day before you know it. Or, right. yeah. you know, I had, I, I it, it, things didn't feel as fragile as they did with yeah. me first. Not quite so like hard on yourself probably too, because you don't have the time to be hard on yourself because you have now humans to take care of. Yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah, I just, <laughs> really, I think you just realize like, it's not the end all be all the second time around, you know? So, um, I was really happy with when she did decide to wean, I was honestly ready too. I was like, yeah, like this is good. Um, I'm kind of one of those people too. Like I, I give major, major, major props to anybody who does like extended breastfeeding. Like I love it. I love it. But I'm like, so maybe I'm selfish and I'm just like, no, I'm done. <laughs> it's you know? not being selfish. It's knowing your, yeah, it's knowing your boundaries, I think, um, which is something I think mothers are are told a lot to ignore when it comes to our children. And so um, it's, it's a good thing that you have that. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I, I, I had nothing but like positive feelings about our, our breastfeeding journey. And, um, she's an amazing eater too. So like she, even when she did move to bottles, she has like very little interest in, in bottles. And so even weaning her off of that, she just turned one. I mean, she's like, whatever, she doesn't care. So, uh, she, she does things on her timeline. Uh, from the minute she was born <laughs> and on your toes forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's kind of a wild child, but. Did you have any other postpartum things to note, like any tearing with her or um, anxiety or depression or anything? Mm, great question. So despite the fact that she was, you know, I didn't really have to push um, we had no tearing with her. So we, I had no tearing, (laughs) um, which yeah, was amazing. And I, I do really think that's because, um, I just was able to like, listen to my body and and push as I felt like I needed to, like, there was no, there was no forced pushing. My body just did it. Um, yeah. And then another thing that I will mention, like in reflecting on those, that spinning babies, 
I really, her birth, despite the fact that it was 20, it was exactly 24 hours, um, but it was very textbook. And mm-hmm. um, just, I mean, despite the fact that I couldn't sense that I was in transition, I can look, I think anyone who would have been trained in birth would have been able to very much see like, oh yeah, like this is transition, you know? Um, and so I was thinking, like when you said before you left that you couldn't do it, I was like, hmm, maybe that's when she was in transition. <laughs> yes, it totally was. And, um, I just, it's just baffling to me that I couldn't see it in the moment, but, um, I do think she was very well positioned, which is why I, like, I truly loved my birth with her, even though it wasn't in the location that I, I chose. It was just, I did not feel, I didn't have back labor. I didn't have intense pain. Everything was very manageable. I don't even recall there being like a ring of fire, but that could have been for other reasons. Um, But, you know, I just, I really do feel like spinning babies helped get her in the position that she needed to be to like have the birth that we had. Um, So I will say that about that resource, but I, I, as far as like postpartum depression, anxiety, um, I think the second time around, I did struggle a little bit more with like postpartum depression. And I don't think that it was as obvious to me or, or anyone. Um, it was just like extended baby blues that I noticed. And I think it is because you do have, I did have another child to look after. And so it was kind of, you, the recovery period is much shorter. And yeah. um, I just really did struggle with like sleep initially or, um, you know, having to like, I, I, you know, make sure that my oldest was still getting cared for. And I have... My husband is, you know, we're, we're truly a partnership, but I think it is, it was a little bit harder for me to just like get back to feeling myself because now instead of having to just take care of myself and and a newborn baby, I I also had a toddler. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I never like went through and and was diagnosed, but I, I do think when I compare the two postpartum periods, Um, I do, it did feel like I struggled with that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think we'll have to wrap this up. (laughs) Thank you for, um, coming on and sharing your stories. Do you have any other resources besides spinning babies that you would like to share with anybody that might be listening? The only other things that – so I actually did read The Birth Partner, Pre-My Birth, um, and Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good resource. Um, the Birth Hour I, I listened to as well. I Consume any and all birth stories, like any way you yeah. can get them. I think that's the best way that we get to learn about what's what birth looks like. Um and then on Instagram, I, I do follow Badass Mother Birther. Yeah, and- I just started following her after you recommended that. And I love her um, 
like even just her photos and her videos, because these things need to be seen, you know, mm-hmm. like nobody sees these things until maybe you become engulfed in it. And then you see it and you're like, that's normal. Like everybody needs to see these things. <laughs> yeah. And I do think that's why my husband, I mean, like, think about it. He almost passed out with Olive and then <laughs> he ended up catching Mavis and he, I like made him watch those videos. And then um, with the second, with Mavis, when I was pregnant with her, we did do a Lamaze childbirth class, um, birth ed for anyone who's local. They're amazing. And part of that class was just like, we all watched real birth videos. And so yeah. exposure, exposure, exposure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. All yeah. right. Well, I am probably going to end this here. Um, thank you for joining. And we will see you guys on the next one. 911, what's the address of emergency? I'm driving on uh, 101. I'm near 12. Almost in Wyzetta. I'm having a baby in the car. Okay. And can you pull over somewhere? Uh, yes. I'm at the Wyzetta Free Church. Are you at the Wyzetta Free Church? Yes. All right. How many weeks, how many weeks pregnant is your uh, wife? 41. 41 weeks? Overdue. Yep. All right. I'm trying to get you a GPS right now. Okay, and then how far apart are the contractions? I did drive one minute. Okay, what is your name? Baby's out. Head is out. Okay, what is, what is your name? Will Gunter. Will Benter? Will Gunter. Will Gunter, okay. Stay on with me. I'm going to put you in the paramedics, okay? They're going to talk to me first. Okay. And then they're going to talk to me, or they're going to talk to you afterwards, okay? Okay. North Ambulance. Head up here, calling the line for Plymouth. It's going to be 705. Oh, God, the head's coming out. Tony Road 101. They're going to be at the Free Church. The head's coming out. I'm on the flight of Free Church. 705, County 101. 705 County 101 in Plymouth. Yep, I got Will online. His week is, or his wife is 41 weeks pregnant. Head is coming home. The head is out. The head is out. Head All right. Out. Sir, we have help started. Hang on just a sec. Tell me exactly what happened. Hurry, hurry, hurry. The head is out of the baby, okay? I'm in the back of the car. Are you? All right. How old is your wife? She's 31. Okay, I got a couple questions. Some of these may seem silly. I still have to ask, is she awake? Yes, she's awake. The baby is she breathing? Okay, please continue. Go. Okay. Yep, they're, they're on their way. It, all right, they're coming as fast as they can, okay? I'm sending those paramedics to help you now. Stand on I'll tell you exactly what to do next. Do not try to prevent the birth. Tell her not to sit on the toilet. Just allow her to assume the most comfortable position. Take deep breaths between those contractions. Now, what I want you to do, as that baby delivers, support the baby's head and shoulders and hold its hips and legs firmly. Remember, that baby's going to be slippery, so don't drop it. You know what to do. You know what to do. The baby's out. The baby is out. Is the baby completely out now? Yes, yes. It's in her arms. Okay. All right. Keep the baby between the mother's legs and level with her bottom. 
level with your bottom. Is the baby crying or breathing? Yes, it's crying a little. Okay. Okay, good. What I want you to do, gently wipe off the baby's mouth and nose. I want you to dry off that baby with a clean towel, then wrap the baby in another clean, dry towel. All right. I want you to cover that baby's head, but not its face, okay? Okay, okay. Is this your first child? Second. Second? Boy or girl? I don't even know what this one is. The first one's a girl. Okay. Well, congratulations. Now, what I want you to do next, without pulling that cord tight, put the baby down between the mother's legs, level with her bottom. Be sure that cord is not wrapped between the baby's neck. And just, I want you to make sure that that baby is, you know, keep that baby warm. All right, next thing I'm going to do, listen carefully, I'll tell you exactly what to do next. Yeah, I'm listening. All right, we're going to watch that baby closely for three minutes, then we're going to tie that cord with a clean string. I feel like she's struggling. She's struggling to breathe a little. She's struggling to breathe a little? Okay, we got to cry. Yeah, you're okay. Okay, okay. Okay, you have a baby? Yep, I'm I'm right here with you, okay? Okay. 